Hey guys, and welcome to or back to the Pause in Pursuit podcast with your host, Summer Clark. So, just a little recap before we get into today's episode. I've been ill again. Now, as you probably know from a few weeks ago, um, I had COVID for a week and was off absolutely everything and it just wasn't fun. I wasn't really that ill, I just couldn't really breathe and I was bored all week. So that was the worst of it. Um, anyway, I thought I was over that and then last start of last week, I got the flu and I was ill with it. So all this week, I've pretty much been in bed ill with it. Um, again, doing pretty much nothing. Poor hour has gone mental, um, but I've just been completely wiped out with it. And I'm finally feeling completely better now, so that is brilliant. But anyway, yeah, I hope my immune system sorts itself out and I don't get ill for a good long while now. I think I've had my more than my fair share of illness. Um, but anyway, as I'm recording this, it is Christmas Eve Eve, so that is so exciting. I hope you've all had an amazing Christmas because it will have already been Christmas when this comes out. And I hope you are looking forward to your New Year's celebrations. I know I am. Um, and yeah, I hope you're looking forward to 2023 in general, to be honest. Um, but as we approach the new year today, I would like to talk about a very important topic to me, something that I have struggled with in the past, still do sometimes, and I know a lot of people do. And I would just like to stress that it is more than normal to, um, have a hard time with this topic. And that is handler nerves, imposter syndrome, and the comparison trap. So kind of three issues that competitors face. And I think I've had a few questions um, in question boxes from you guys on Instagram about how to tackle this issue. Uh, so it's something I'd definitely like to address today. And as we go into the new year and we start a new season, you know, we want that 2023's um, year of points for Crufts and things like that, if you get what I mean. Um, you know, we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves to perform to win to grade up to get certain awards um you know just to do well in agility you know um there's certain expectations we put on ourselves uh to achieve and people people are like i've had people ask what are your 2023 goals now i love this question because i love setting goals and it gives me something to motivate me and drive me make me get out of bed in the morning put in the work even when it's cold and horrible and i don't want to uh, so I do love having goals, but for others, it can put pressure on them to achieve certain things by certain months or dates or deadlines. Um, and it can it can almost feel like you're back to uni because you're like, well, I've got a deadline for achieving a goal now. And it starts to feel like work more than a hobby and enjoyment. So it's a very important topic. And because I think it's important mainly because if you don't manage it um, to the best of your ability, then it can really ruin agility for you. Like it can, it can just become a chore, become stressful. You can feel your nerves can take over the excitement and joy you feel from it. And it just doesn't make it worth it anymore. So you've really, if you feel this bad, if you feel that nervous that you can't enjoy agility anymore, then it's time to get a hand, handle on it. And I'm hoping this episode can help you with that. So just a few things I've written now. So first of all, it's easy to compare yourself to others in agility as everyone is doing the same thing at the same time. Now, think about it. When we go to a show, there are hundreds of handlers often, especially the bigger ones, doing agility just like we are, running the exact same courses as us in our class and we're stood there queuing watching them before we run and then we run and then we watch others do the same course and we watch them handle it maybe differently or go clear when we didn't and 
we obviously there's a lot to compare against really isn't there because it's a handler and a dog running the course that you as a handler and your dog just also attempted to run in the exact same way so there's a lot to you can easily find yourself sitting there or standing there but beside the ring and comparing yourself to others so that's just me more more or less going yes it's so easy to do it and we've all been there and done it um so we're constantly spectating our peers at training and shows. You know, agility is a community. It's also about the social element. We like talking about our ourselves and our performance. And, you know, we discuss it in, in groups, you know, in the queue, in, in pairs. You know, oh, how have you done? Oh, how have you done? And we compare. That's You compare your results, everything. You compare, you know, oh, my dog did this at number five. Oh, my dog did that at number five. Do you get what I mean? So it's it's easy to do and it is all around. There is no real avoiding the trigger of comparison, but you just have to learn to manage it when it does crop up. So at the end of the day, you, there's no need to feel guilty. We all want to be the best at something that we're passionate about. Well, most of us anyway. And I hope you enjoyed the episode with my mum, Leslie, from last week. Um, I really enjoyed filming that with a guest. I'm so excited to do more guest episodes. But she is the kind of person, my mum, who, bless her, she would rather, if she was in a competition, she would rather someone else win than her because she feels sorry for them not winning. I am not like that. I am competitive. Um, I obviously want to win um but at the end of the day that is not a bad thing we shouldn't feel guilty about wanting to win because we most of us 99% of us apart from the Leslie Clarks of the world want to be the best at something we're passionate about because it's our passion and we feel so strongly about it so everything attached to that passion we feel strongly about that's just how it is unfortunately but well I say unfortunately you can mold it to your advantage which is what I'm going to talk about uh, in this episode so everyone wants to win to some degree Otherwise, we wouldn't put money, time and energy into competing and we'd simply just do agility at home or training, which is actually the much cheaper option. So why wouldn't we almost like think about it? If we just did agility just to do agility, we could do it at training or we could do it at home in the garden. Or in a field locally with some equipment, but mainly training because that's proper agility, I suppose. But we could so easily just do that and not compete if we if not a single part of us in our soul wanted to win a competition, we just wouldn't because it's expensive, the petrol, everything. We would have much more money in our pockets if we didn't compete. So, uh, you know, you can get the joy from of doing agility from training without going to a show. So it's normal, it's completely natural and it makes perfect logical sense why we do it. And there is no shame in that at all. I think that's a great personality trait to be competitive and want to win. You know, pushing yourself that bit higher is fantastic. So having a competitive nature heightens our emotions. It makes the wins feel greater, the losses feel worse, and it gives us the drive to work harder and achieve more. So as that statement kind of specified, it it has its ups and downs being competitive. So when you do, when we do win and succeed we feel even more joy because it's we are just so thrilled to have done what we set out to do. But at the same time, because we're so desperate for that win and that success, it makes the loss. So when we lose or get eliminated or get faults, say, or don't make a final, for example, that make our competitive nature makes that feel even worse for us because we want it that much more than those people who aren't competitive and aren't bothered. So it's, it's an extreme, basically. Um, 
But then I think the best part of being competitive is that it helps us work harder. Like I said earlier, it motivates us to put more into our passion because there is an end goal. And like I said, I love setting goals because it gives me that desire. There's something to aim for. I'm not just flailing around aimlessly thinking, why am I doing this? You know, like you can only do something for pure joy so much every day before it comes mundane because it becomes part of your routine and we're just hum- it's just human nature to get bored of things we do re- religiously and repetitively. So if you're doing agility, if you're training agility even just for 10 minutes every day, going out to set up the equipment isn't going to be exciting every single day, but if you have that goal there because you're competitive, so my goal say would be to qualify Ara for Crufts, if that goal's there, I'm like, of course I'm going to go in and put the work because I have that goal there. I have to put in the work to achieve that goal. So it just pushes us that a little bit harder. So I think it's really valuable. So the comparison trap. Now, it is so difficult because you have to ask yourself a series of questions, really. Like you have to stop as soon as you find yourself negatively, you know, comparing yourself to someone else and thinking, oh, they're so much better than me. I'm not at their level. What am I doing wrong? You have to stop and ask yourself a series of questions. Now, you can pause this video or this podcast and actually think about these if you need to. But here are the questions that I asked myself. I, well, I still do ask myself if I start comparing myself to someone else in agility is first, who are you comparing yourself to? So are they more experienced than you? So if they are more experienced than you, then why are you comparing yourself to them? You'll get there eventually. They've been doing it for longer than you. They have more experience. So naturally, they're probably going to be better at it than you. Instead of comparing yourself and thinking, oh, I'm terrible compared to them, think, when I've been doing it for that long, I will also be at that level. And then that can be your goal. So I will be at their level when I've been doing it for this many years like they have. There you go. Now it's fair. So have they been training or competing for longer than you? Yep. So there's the experience. And this one's an interesting one. And it can sound a little bit brutal, but have you seen them fail before? And I bet you have, especially if they're a top handler. So say you've got this top handler that you idolise to the moon and back. Um, They're really well esteemed. You know, they always do brilliantly in your eyes and they always look fantastic running their dog and they've achieve the successes you want to achieve like Crufts, Olympia, Team GB, etc. Now think, have you seen them fail before? And I bet you have. So have you ever seen this person run their dog at a show and get eliminated in a class? I bet you have, or at least get false. Everyone has got eliminated or got false and always will. Like you'll never just get clear after clear after clear. No one, even the best. So you've seen them fail before. But now you need to ask yourself, do you think any less of them because of it? And of course you don't. You still idolise this person. Like you still look at this person and think they're a fantastic handler. I want to be like them, even after seeing them get eliminated. So again, that just sums it up, doesn't it? One elimination or, you know, a handful of faults does not bring that idol of yours down to a, a lesser level in your eyes. So why would you be harsh on yourself about it either? You're not harsh on them about it when they go wrong. So why would you be on yourself? So yeah, in that case, why would you think any less of yourself for failing? It makes no sense, does it? So when they fail, you still think they're brilliant and idolise them and internally think they're brilliant, I want to be like them. So 
why would you think any less of yourself as a sports person and a competitor when you fail or you get eat or faults? Like, why would, if you don't do it for them, why would you do it for yourself? It's not fair. So you have to be kind to yourself in those situations and think someone probably looks up to you. Well, I know they do. Someone definitely watches you run and thinks, wow, they're brilliant. So, you know, they're not going to watch you get eliminated or get faults and think, oh, they're rubbish now in my eyes. I don't idolise them anymore. Obviously, you still they're still going to think you're brilliant, just like you still think your idol in agility is brilliant, even after when they get eed. So it's irrelevant, really. It is completely irrelevant. The little the little the little ease and faults that you pick apart, pick yourself apart for, you know, it doesn't it doesn't define you. So just just bear that in mind. So a good example of this, and sorry if you're a football fan, this is probably still quite raw, but so England recently played France in the quarterfinals of the World Cup, as you probably all know, and Harry Kane missed an important penalty that pushed England out of the running and allowed France to win 2-1. And again, you're probably crying now if you're a, a diehard football fan, but my point is, does anyone think less of Harry Kane now? Would most people still switch places with him if they could? So, no one thinks less of Harry Kane for that one missed penalty that he had. No one. Absolutely no one. He's still a brilliant football player. And yes, most people would still switch places with them if they could. Because he is an extremely talented athlete. At the end of the day, he's paid an extraordinary wage for doing his hobby and yes he puts a lot of work into it but he has the lifestyle that most people would love from the outside I'm not saying there's not other things going on that's irrelevant I'm saying that hasn't changed the majority of the population's views on Harry Kane just because he missed this one penalty 99.9% of the population probably a hundred even that was a fan of Harry Kane still is a, a fan of Harry Kane especially now it's all calmed down a little bit. Um, you know, that it. most people are proud of him for stepping up and attempting the penalty. I mean, he did get a penalty earlier on in the game. He just missed the second one. So, again, everyone knows he's only human. Um, but no one's opinions of him has changed just because of that one failure. And, you know, people admire him more for trying. And get he got to that level. You know, he got to the, the um, sorry, oh, quarterfinal, that was it. Don't know my finals from my quarterfinals and all sorts. Anyway, so no one's perception of him has changed. Everyone still loves him and thinks he is brilliant. So, again, apply that principle to you when you're worrying. So, yeah, the point of that story is that a handful of failures doesn't... And I say failures in air quotes because failures are just lessons, really, aren't they? A handful of failures does not define a sports person. Every sports person fails and doesn't achieve the success they want all the time. That's what makes the victory even sweeter in the end. So next we'll go on to imposter syndrome. Now, I hate it. It is so evil and it makes no logical sense until you break it down. So guess what? That's what I'm going to do right now. So imposter syndrome it is proof that self-doubt does not disappear when you reach a certain level. So Often, after you get a certain level of success, imposter syndrome actually gets way worse. And people who, say, are amateurs and have just started out at a sport often don't get imposter syndrome because they have nothing to compare their current self to, if that makes sense. 
but people at a very high level get imposter syndrome and I will explain how. So having a good reputation gives you high standards for yourself and makes you believe that others will judge you if you don't prove it in every run in agility. So, for example, I successfully competed for Team GB and then I came home to the UK and got eliminated at a small show the following week on a very simple course or simple compared to the courses that I'd just been running abroad for Team GB. So this felt worse to me at the time as I believed that small shows should be easy after competing at such a high level, as that makes sense. So really, I went and did all of these difficult courses and was went clear and was successful. So I kind of it kind of gave me almost too much confidence. It boosted my ego to the point where I thought, wow, I'm I'm Team GB level. You know, I just smashed all these international European style courses for my country. You know, it was I was on a high, it was brilliant. So I kind of naturally in my head came back to the normal week uh, weekly, monthly shows that I do in the UK and thought, you you know, the courses aren't as European and difficult at these shows. So me and Ethel should be able to smash them, especially after just doing, you know, if you do something really difficult, you kind of think, oh, well, everything else will be easy now. Not necessarily the case. Like humans are still humans. Dogs are still dogs. But yeah, the imposter syndrome really hit me there. And um, I thought, oh, wow, you know, I'm this Team GB handler who can do Team GB courses and compete abroad. But I can't get round grade seven jumping at a show 30 minutes down the road in a tiny little ring with like 10 jumps and two tunnels in it, if that makes sense. So again, that's the imposter syndrome speaking. But what it didn't, what imposter syndrome didn't take into account there, and it never does, is how you're feeling on each day. That it doesn't, it's not necessarily just the difficulty of the course, how you're feeling, how much sleep you got the night before, what you've eaten, are you fueled, how's your dog feeling, did your dog sleep, is your dog fueled, you, you know, are you just having a good day or a bad day, you know, have you got a little niggle in your in your thigh, or has your dog got a little niggle in their hip? So there's, you know, the weather conditions, you know. Uh, it was probably very still out there when I was competing abroad and then maybe I went to this show and it was extremely windy and Ethel got thrown off by the wind or knocked her off her feet and she missed a weave entry or, you know, my voice carried in the wrong direction. There's all these factors that can influence and do influence every single run that we do that has absolutely nothing to do with our previous experience. Again, going back to those people that we idolise, you know, People we idolise are probably the top handlers that have won Crufts and Olympia. But they don't win every single run, do they? They still get eliminated in, like, champ jumping or something or at, 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 a, at a show that they go to as they normally would on a weekend. You know, it, it is completely irrelevant, although at the time it can feel like a bit of a blow to your ego. But you just got to keep that in check. So, for example, my trainer, Lucy, she is a brilliant trainer, competitor and businesswoman who I idolise. I've seen her get eliminated and I didn't think any less of her because of it. So there's my example of why you shouldn't be hard on yourself when you get, you know, you shouldn't be nervous to go wrong in case people think worse of you or in case you feel worse in yourself. Because even these people I idolise... I still think they're absolutely brilliant, even though I've seen them go wrong. So it is kind of a little bit irrelevant if you think about it like that. So making mistakes doesn't cancel out your past achievements. We're only human and even the best of us make mistakes. 
So at the end of the day, the comparison trap is real and it will happen and it will continue to happen. And sometimes there is no avoiding it. But if you can understand what it is, recognize it when it crops up, then hopefully you can do the things that I advised and shut it down before it has time to sort of, what's the word? I was going to say manifest. What's the word? Materialize into something bigger that that takes over your mindset and, you know, puts you off for the entire day at a competition. So again, you can't, it's hard to prevent it, but you can put into practice the steps to sort of manage it more. So imposter syndrome is similar. Um, You've just got to recognise it when it crops up and tell yourself that mistakes don't define you. Remind yourself as your idols, of your idols, and you should be able to deal with that better. And then nerves at the end of the day, just nerves are just normal. Everyone's nervous. I, I still get nervous for every run a little bit, you know, those butterflies, but half of that's excitement and adrenaline anyway. And we need that. That's good. That brings us the joy and the feeling of reward when we finish, you know, and it pushes us to try harder and work for our goals. But when you're feeling especially nervous, just think it's just another run. And it is. They're all just another run. I got nerve. I say I got nervous about a run four years ago with Ethel. I don't even remember it now, but at the time I was so nervous. But really, now it's irrelevant. Think in, you know, will I still be mad about this run in a year? No, probably not. You know, unless maybe it's Crufts or Olympia. But even then, there's another Crufts and Olympia in five years. Probably be you'll probably be there. You know five more times you know so there's always it's never your last chance to say do well you've you've got so many you've got four runs in a day for a start at a competition and then you've got another competition next weekend weekend after there's so many chances and you need to enjoy the journey you don't need to get nervous about every single run just try to enjoy it people and understand that people aren't going to suddenly think worse of you If your nerves are more so based on what other people think of you from watching, then just remember you're idle. You see them go wrong and still think they're brilliant. So other people will not judge you for your mistakes because they make them too. Everyone does. And yeah, that is that pretty much sums up the episode. I hope you enjoyed listening and can put some of those tips into practice next time you compete. Um, I hope you had a great Christmas and enjoy the New Year's and I will see you next Wednesday. And oh, while I'm here, don't forget to follow all of the social medias that I will put on the screen now. And yeah, I'll catch you soon. Bye, guys.